next, uh, well, actually Sunday after next through Easter. But our goal was $3,000. At this time, we're at $2,274. So we just ask, praise God for that. If you haven't given yet, just pray about it. That's all we ask you to do. Envelopes are right here. You can get one of these, put it in this, and it'll go to our home mission board here in Arkansas. And all so are in the United States. So you just pray about it. See what God would do. Let's meet our goal and uh, accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We praise God for all of our members being here, and we thank the Lord for guests that are here. If you would, there's a little slip of paper in front of you in the pew. Get that, fill it out. So we'll have a record of you being here. There's also a little gray-looking slip there. If you know somebody that you'd like to have visited, fill that out, drop it in the offering plate. Our evangelistic team will be more than happy to go and visit those folks and, and minister to them. So please uh, give us that information so we'll be aware of it for sure. Next Sunday, Palm Sunday, preparing for the next Sunday, which is Resurrection Sunday. Now remember, on Resurrection Sunday, we're going to have our worship service at 9.30, right here. Then we'll break, go have a little coffee and rest, donut and so forth. Come back at 11 and our choir will present the cantata. So please be a part of all that and God will bless you and minister to your heart during that time. And uh, we'll just come together to worship God on that special day, Resurrection Sunday. For sure. Again, we praise God for each and every one of you being here. I ask you to pray that God will minister to our hearts, everybody, today as we continue with Paul's second missionary journey. And we're going to see uh, how God can work in the most desperate situations. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you and I praise your name that you bless in such a very special way. Father, this morning, I pray that you will minister to hearts and lives. You'll minister unto those that need encouragement with their health, their physical being, but Lord God, you'll also minister to those that are needing spiritual encouragement. Need to be reminded that you are God. That you're in charge. and That you will bless if we'll but distrust you. So this morning, Lord God, we lift our hearts to you. I pray that we'll open our minds and our hearts to you to, through the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we'll just give you praise for it all. You have your way and your will, Father. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brother Harold. Good morning. Let's stand, please. As we sing this first hymn, To God Be the Glory. Let's think about those last five words of this song while we sing. Great things he hath done. He has done great things in our lives. Think about those this morning.
God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gates that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus things he has done. Why? Because he loves you and me. He sent Jesus to Calvary to go. 146. Let's sing this chorus. Oh, how I love you and me. Oh, how he loves
546, another song about love. Love lifted me. <laughs> I was sinking deep in sin, far from me peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love stand please have be seated but I think we'll stand on this song sing a couple verses of it one of my favorite songs the love of God the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell it goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from
ushers come forward this time receive the tithes and offering and then Elaine Welch is going to bring us a song let's sing this chorus I love you Lord I love you Lord and I lift my voice to worship you oh my invite you to join with the Lord, giving unto the Lord his eyes and our love offerings. Shall we pray? Lord God, we praise you and we love you. Thank you for blessing us so abundantly. Now as we give back unto you, Father, you bless it, you use it to further your kingdom. Bless those that give, Father, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
Dolorosa in Jerusalem that day. The soldiers tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see a man condemned to die on Calvary. He was bleeding from a beating. There were stripes upon his back, and he wore a crown of thorns upon his head. And he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death. Down the Via Dolorosa, on the way of Thank you, ma'am. All right, kiddos.
Pardon me, I had a problem there. Thank you, ma'am. Paul's missionary journey. That was exactly what Paul was preaching about as he shared with the churches. It was that trip, that crucifixion, and of course, the resurrection. And we praise God for that. I've been asked the question, how many miles did Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke travel on their second missionary journey? Well, we don't know exactly, but to the best of my knowledge and the best of what I could find out, to answer that question is the missionary journey consisted of about 2,700 miles. Of those 2,700 miles, 1,290 of them were by sea, 1,410 of them on their feet, walking. I can only imagine what it would be like to have to make a journey where I thought I was going to have to walk 1,400 miles. It makes me tired just to think that I'm going to have to drive 1,400 miles, much less walk. Yet, I feel like in my mind that Paul never looked back. He was called from the day that he spent there at the road to Damascus on his face before God to this point of saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Today, I'd like to pick up with Paul and Silas, the rest of his company. Chapter 16, verse 16. We continue with his journey. Lord willing, we will finish the second missionary journey next Sunday if God doesn't change our mind by it being Palm Sunday. But I would really like to try to finish that one up next, the second journey next week. But we'll see what God does. Chapter 16, verse 16. And it says, Now it happened as we went to pray that a certain slave girl possessing with a spirit of devastation met us who brought her masters much profit by foretelling the future. This girl followed Paul and us and crying out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul became greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, Notice, not to the girl. Turned and said to the Spirit, Yeah. 
I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And when her master saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrate and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly troubled our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Roman, to receive and to observe. And then the multitude rose up against greatly. And the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into stocks. Lord God, I thank you and I praise your name that you bless in such a mighty way. Speak unto us this morning, Father, and we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Notice, first of all, as Paul and Silas and the rest of the group were on their way to pray. You know, I, I sometimes think that, that we forget where we need to start. We want to just jump in. And folks, the place to start is on our knees. The, face to, the place to start is, sta- is sitting or standing or kneeling or prostrate before God and saying, Lord God, I want your way, your will in my life. And as I proclaim the gospel, I want it to be what you, Lord God, want the people to hear. And this is the thing, whether we're teaching, whether we're going about a business uh, adventure, or whether we're going on vacation, we need to say, Lord God, we want your will within whatever it is we're doing. And this is what I think Paul and the company were doing. They were on their way to pray and say, Lord God, have your way. And as they were traveling to that place, wherever it might have been to pray, probably down by the river, as they were going, a, a servant girl, not anybody of any great uh, statue, but a servant girl that was possessed by a demon that could foretell the future, not foretell, but foretell the future, began to follow them around and broadcast to everybody who they were. These men are men representing the Most High God. Not only are they representing the Most High God, they are proclaiming salvation. Wouldn't it be great if someone would walk by us or follow us around and say, these people are serving the Most High God and they are proclaiming how everybody can be saved rather than, gosh, I wonder if they go to church. I wonder if they're a Christian. I wonder if they're born again. I really wonder what their life is like. There was no doubt as this girl followed him. And and I can only imagine Paul 
as he was walking around, and this didn't just happen for an hour or two, but it went on for days. Now that tells me two things. First of all, Paul, Silas, and the rest of them went to pray more than just once a day, once one time, one day. Second of all, it tells me that this spirit really was trying to upset that which they were proclaiming. And finally, Paul just got fed up with it. Now that that's the only way it said that he was he was just tired of it. He had all he could handle. He didn't want any more of it. And he turned and spoke to the Spirit. Because he knew the girl didn't have any power over it. Now, folks, whenever we're dealing with the power of the devil, we need to speak to the devil. Because the folks that he's dealing with or residing in, they don't have the power to do anything about it. It's all about what God can do. And he said, in the name of Paul, come out of this girl. Well, at least I got one that's shaking her head no. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's where the power is. That's where the president, that's what do we do to accomplish things. Even Paul, even one that had served God, was serving God in a great way. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. Took two or three days for that to happen, did it? Did it in, it says, even in that hour, right then, other words. Is our God strong? Is our God mighty? Hey, listen, folks, our God's in charge of it all. Our God's in charge of everything. And whenever Paul says, in the name of Jesus, you come out, out he came. Just that simple. <laughs> I, uh, I wonder how the young felt. Probably for the very first time in her life. She was free. Old slave, yes. But she was free of the devil. She was no longer possessed by this demon. And the word says that they were that her masters, those that owned her, those that looked after her, those that realized a profit from her, were really bent out of shape. They were mad. They were upset. Have you ever known anybody that got upset because somebody got saved? I have. I've known folks that were really upset because their friend got saved. They weren't going to go to the bar with them anymore. They weren't going to go do this with them anymore. They weren't going to speak in foul language anymore. They were sold out to God. It made them mad. Well, you don't. You think you're better than I am. No. I know I'm better than you are because Jesus lives in my heart. Am I still a sinner? Yes. Do I still do wrong things? Yes. But I'm better off than you are because Jesus lives in my heart. And that's the way this young lady was. She was better off than she's ever been because she lived 
Jesus lived in her heart. I truly think if we as Christians would realize how blessed we are to have Jesus living in our heart, how blessed we are to know that the devil no longer has any power over us whatsoever, we can resist anything that the devil throws at us through the power of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, come out of her, and immediately at that moment, at that very second, he came out, and those that, were, that she was a slave to were upset, and they were got, in fact, they got really out of shape. And it says that they dragged them. Paul and Silas. What happened to Timothy and Luke? I don't know if they weren't involved in it or if they were so quiet they didn't know that they were participating in it. Or maybe they weren't there right at that point in time. I don't know. But it says that they took Paul and they took Silas and they dragged them into the center of town, right down in the middle of the marketplace. What better place would Paul want to be than right in the middle of where everybody is so he can tell them about Jesus, so he can live it out before them? And they told them. They told the people. They told the magistrate. They told the folks down there. These Jews... Uh-oh, these Jews, folks, they weren't Jews. They were not Jews. They were Gentiles. These Jews are telling our people things that, that we can't do and things, rules that we can't follow. And they're causing trouble. And the whole group got upset. The whole marketplace got upset. And it's not hard. It's not hard to get a sinful person to get upset when you're talking about what Jesus is doing, particularly when you're proclaiming something that's not true. And here, the magistrate says, okay, strip their clothes off of them and take them and beat them with a rod. Now, I've always been curious as to what a rod is referred to in the Bible. And I found out that a rod could be anything from a stick to the shaft of an arrow to a shepherd's staff to a metal bar. But whatever it was, it was something long enough that they could take hold of it with both hands and beat them with it. Now the rules said that you couldn't have, you couldn't withstand, physically, could not withstand more than 40 stripes. It would kill you. In Paul's entire ministry, not just on this trip, but in Paul's entire ministry, he was beaten five times with 39 stripes. Never 40, but 39. Five different times 
he was beaten. How long has it been since somebody threatened you for what you were saying about Jesus? Have you ever been threatened about what you were saying about Jesus? I know you most likely never been beaten because of what we were saying about Jesus. I've been in many, many countries, many continents around the world, and I have never been beaten for what I was saying about Jesus. Jailed a couple of times, but never beaten. Paul and Silas were beaten with a rod, a bloody mess on their backs for what they were saying about Jesus. Are we willing to stand up for Jesus? Just stop and think about it. If someone was to walk in that back door back there right now and looked you right in the face and in their hand they had an iron bar and they said, Are you a believer? In Jesus Christ, and if you are, I'm going to beat you with this rod. Would you be willing to say, yes, I believe in Jesus? Or would we stammer, stutter, and try to figure out some way of getting around it? Paul and Silas was teaching about Jesus Christ that shed his blood on Calvary's cross that those might be saved. And in doing so, they were beaten to within one stripe of death. One stripe. And we complain as Christians sometimes about the way we're treated or the way people look down on us or the way we're not accepted. Not only were they beaten, not only were they a bloody mess, not only were they just one strike away from death, but the magistrate says unto them, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. Not only just into prison, but commanded the jailer to keep them securely. And ha having received such a charge, he put them into the innermost prison. Now folks, the innermost prison is never clean. Prison's not good, but innermost prison, it's never clean. And they put them into the innermost prison, locked them down, put their feet in shackles, closed the doors, locked the doors, and said, they are secure right here. And the jailer went down and sat out and relaxed. He knew they couldn't get out of that nasty, stinky, inner prison. No one had ever 
escaped from the inner prison. And he relaxed. And he says, I got him. I know that it'll be great for them to be there. And they'll be safe. And then in verse 25 and following. Now I want you to see if this would be you. Now remember, we are in the inner prison. Nasty, stinky, dirty, terrible, awful, bad place. In shackled. 39 stripes, bleeding, uncomfortable. And it says in verse 25 and following, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I don't know if I'd be much in the mood to be singing hymns. By the way, Brother Harold, I want you to notice, it says they were singing hymns to God. Didn't say choruses. It says hymns. <laughs> Boy, did I get that one in. Listen now. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns unto God. And the prisoners were listening to even after being beaten to one stripe of their life, they were still praising God and being a witness, a testimony to the rest of the prisoners. I just can't imagine that, folks. And it says, suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awoke from his sleep, seeing that the doors were open. Supposing the prisoners had all fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And out of the darkness, you hear that voice. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. I wonder... I could understand Paul and Silas still being there. But I really wonder about all the other prisoners that were there listening to them sing hymns to God and praying to God. The doors were open, the chains came loose. Why in the world didn't they run? And Paul says, do no harm. We're all still here. Every one of them was still there, and I believe with all there is in my heart that they were all there for one reason. God kept them there so the jailer and his family would have the opportunity to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because if they all ran, he was going to take his life. Folks, 
the importance of us standing our ground as Christians and following the leadership of God is so important. Paul says, do not harm yourself. We are here, right here, right now. We didn't go anywhere. And it says, then he called for a light. You asked me how, how I knew it was dark that he hollered out of the darkness. He says he called for a light and ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Now, how many times have we seen people fall on their face before those that have proclaimed the truth trembling and he brought them out and he said the most important question that could ever be asked the most important question you could ever ask the jailer asked it and he brought them out and said sir what must I do to be saved This morning, you're not in prison. This morning, you haven't been beaten within one stripe of your life. But this morning, I ask you, if you do not know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you need to ask that question. What must I do to be saved? The Word says... Paul and Silas shared the word of the Lord. They shared the gospel with the jailer and with his family. And they all come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. The only thing that can draw people to Jesus Christ and truly, not emotionally, truly lead them to salvation is the word of God. Not a preacher, not a teacher, not a friend, not a neighbor, not a parent. Only the Word of God that can truly lead them to salvation. What must I do to be saved? The Word of God simply says, Believe upon the name of Jesus. Call upon His name. Believe in your heart. Confess with your being. Say, Lord God, I am a sinner, and I ask you to come into my heart. I invite you into my heart as Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus today, you need to join that that jailer and his family. You need to say, Lord God, come into my heart. Lord God, save me today. The Word says, and the jailer was saved. And his entire family was saved. And after they were saved, they were obedient unto baptism. Have you been obedient to God? Say, well, some time ago I acknowledged Jesus as Savior, but but I've never followed the Lord in the scriptural baptism. This morning you can do that. This morning you can make that commitment. 
to join the church, to be a part of God's family through scriptural baptism. Now listen. Listen what they did. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of God to them and to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night, washed their stripes. Immediately he and all of his family were baptized. I want you to notice something there. They took them out of jail. Now, I don't know about you, but boy, most of the time when someone gets saved and, and are ready to be baptized, they're so excited about it. They want it to happen right now. And nothing else is more important. But here, it says they took them out of jail. They took them home. They ministered to them physically. They took care of where they had been beaten. And then, and then, the family was baptized. You see, folks, it's not just about spiritual. It's about physical, too. He got saved. He saw the need. He saw the physical need of Paul and Silas. As excited as they probably were about being saved and as much as they were wanting to be baptized, they took the time to minister to Paul and Silas. They washed their stripes. And they cleaned them up and they bandaged them. And then they were baptized. And verse 34 says, Now when he had brought them into his house, and set food before them, he rejoiced, having believed in God with his whole family. They weren't rejoicing because they had met Paul and Silas. They were rejoicing because they met God. This morning, this very minute, are we rejoicing because we've met God? We can rejoice over a lot of things, but there's nothing that we can rejoice about near as much as we can. A family, a jailer, <laughs> a heathen, a man of strength, a man probably very worldly, shall we say. And when God got a hold of him, he not only got saved, but he took him home with him so his family could be saved too. Folks, when God gets a hold of you, you want everybody around you to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Whoever it might be, whether they be family, friend, or foe, you want them to know Jesus.
what happens when we get saved? Well, first of all, we have the assurance of an eternal life with Jesus Christ. But second of all, heart was softened with the love of Jesus to where he took care of the stripes, the physical need of Paul and Silas. Folks, when God gets a hold of your heart, your attitude changes. Your ideology changes. Your goals change. Because all at once, longer in charge. All at once, God's in charge. And due to this, fear of them. Think, if God can do that for a jailer, none of you are that honorary and that mean how much he could do for you if you'll let him if you'll ask if you'll surrender to him if you'll ask the question what must I do to be saved the greatest question that was ever asked what must I do to be saved. Call upon the name of Jesus. That's all. Just call upon the name of Jesus. And ask him into your heart. Well, Brother Mac, I've been saved a long, long time. I've been saved a long, long time. What can I do? Well, you just need to get closer with God, probably. You say, well, I don't know. Well, that's easier for a preacher to say. Let me tell you what, folks. I'm a sinner saved by grace just like I'm challenged in every way you are in What am I saying? It doesn't matter who you are in this world. God's the answer to all of it. And you need to spend time with Him whether you be a preacher or not. And say, Lord God, clean my heart up. Clean my attitude up. Clean my spirit, God. Pray. Praise your name that you bless us today. And Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ministry of Paul and Silas. I thank you, Lord God, for the power of the Holy Spirit that moved in that jail in the way of an earthquake, in the way that released. Yet none, none ran so that the jailer would have the opportunity to be saved. Father, today I would pray if there's one, if there's two, if there's any in this place 
that does not know Jesus, if there's any that's watching on the, on the live stream that does not know Jesus, that right now, they'll ask that question. And then they'll follow through and ask Jesus into their heart as Lord and Savior and sell out to Him. And we just praise You for it, Father. We pray for the loosening of the Holy Spirit and the binding up of the devil that folks will have the freedom to respond to You as You minister to their lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Would you stand with us, Brother Come on, don't wait, don't carry the prayer altars right here. Come on to the prayer altar. Join these that are already here praying. Let God minister unto you. Have thy way, Lord. Have thy own way. Thou art the Come on right now. Don't wait, don't tarry. today you need to be obedient and join the church you need to be old baptized you need to be saved whatever come on to God right now be a part of what God has going on We praise God for each one of you that's here, everybody that's watching on the, on the web. We praise God for you. I pray that God has spoken to your heart tonight, 6 o'clock, right back here. We'll have a good time as we're going to be looking at uh, how we're supposed to love the Lord. Also, at 4 o'clock, Miss Laura says she wants uh, all those that are in the choir to be here and ready to sing, and if you haven't been there and want to be there... I guarantee you, they'll make a chair for you. So you come on, be a part, 4 o'clock choir practice. We praise God for each and every one of you that are here this morning. To all of our guests, we say thank you for spending time with us today and with the Lord. And we pray that God has ministered unto you and unto your life this very day as we will.
Convene again, 6 o'clock, right here. Brother Steve Klein, pray us out of here, brother. Brother Steve, just a minute. Would you, Miss Cherry, needs to make an announcement. I didn't, I forgot it. Brother Harold, you run off with the mic. Gary coming. I apologize. Ladies, there's two things I want you to know. We have... Uh, Blooms and Butterflies Banquet coming up. It's in the afternoon, Thursday afternoon on the April the 27th. Now, Bobby got that right in the part that she put in, but down where I made announcements, I put August. Forgive me. It is April. <laughs> and there is no cost. Just let us know. Sign up back there so we can all sit at the same table. Uh, you'll have a great time learning about what Saving Grace is all about and you'll hear testimonies of some women, young women, whose lives have been changed. So be a part of that with us. Also, we have a conference coming up on April the 29th called We Are One. There's a sheet like this out on the table. Take that with you, fill it out, return it to me, filled out with your check, or give it to Cindy. Uh, it's $25. It is a one-day conference from 8 until 5. It will feed you breakfast and lunch, and you will love it. They have a special speaker. There will be breakout sessions. Uh, we will have a, a um, driver for our bus. Stephanie has agreed to drive for us again, and it will be at Lowell's First Baptist Church. But be sure and get that information. Look on the table and see the other information regarding that and plan to go with us that day. We went last year, and it was wonderful. We had a wonderful time. So... Be sure and be a part of that. Pick up a sheet. Get it back to me by the 15th of April. Thank you. Any other announcements that I'm sorry I overlooked? Now, pray for it, brother. Amen.